The Start On Demand. On Demand. It is a horrifying situation in Garden Hill First Nation, where three people have been charged with sexual and physical assault of 17 children. And it looks like there could be 150 victims in total. Did you know if you're in Chicago, you're not allowed to put ketchup on a hot dog? And apparently this goes beyond Chicago. We learned today there are a lot of people who say ketchup does not belong anywhere near a hot dog. So we'll discuss that as we celebrate the 90th anniversary of Skinner's. And this weekend at the Burton Cummings Theatre, you can find the cure for the common comedy. We'll speak to one of the visiting performers from Second City, who will also tell us if she puts ketchup on a hot dog. This is the Friday, May 24th podcast for The Start. Leaders from a northern Manitoba community are working to bring in more support for the families of 17 victims of sexual and physical abuse. RCMP revealing yesterday that three people in Garden Hill First Nation have been charged with the abuse of 17 kids who were between the ages of 3 and 15 when the abuse occurred over a six-year period. RCMP also saying there could be many more victims. One of the accused was a foster parent, meaning they may have come into contact with as many as 150 different children over the years. There's a lot to tackle in the story. Garden Hill's a remote community. It's also home to just a few thousand people, meaning many there will possibly know the victims or the accused or even both. Help is needed, and, and that's where the clinic community health comes in. Nicole Shamartin is its director and joins us now. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. First of all, this partnership, the RCMP said in their email yesterday that the clinic is helping. So can you explain to us a bit how that works when it comes to the assistance you might be able to provide? Yeah. So uh, last April, we actually just had our one-year anniversary. We launched the third-party reporting system. And so it's a partnership between clinic, Ghani Ghanichek, Sage House, and the Winnipeg Police Service and the RCMP. And the way third-party reporting works is that for people who are 16 or over, and that's really important, I can talk about why, um, can can call our, our sexual assault reporting line and uh, make a report that's not to police. So it's a confidential report, um, but there's still a lot of value to confidential reporting, especially for police, and we can talk about the why of that as well. What is that value and, and why the age restriction, Nicole? So, so the age restriction is about um, the Child and Family Services Act, right? So under 18, if a child has experienced sexual assault, any of us are required to report it. Um, so there, so if, if a child under 18 calls clinic, then we have to report that. So we, we do take calls from people over 16 because it's a little complicated. 16 is the age of consent. Um, but we do advise them that they we may have to report it. And so we give them that option and, and we make sure they're aware. So that's that's the age piece. And then the second piece about the value of third party reporting is it's really four things, but I'll, I'll try and go through them quickly. So the, the first thing is that one of the things we know is that sexual assault is really the most unreported and underreported crime nationally right and so we don't know what we don't know and so what third-party reporting does is it allows us to collect more information start to understand 
what's really happening. For police, what it allows them to do is to see, are there patterns? Um, so, for example, if there's a serial case or, or a certain pattern happening in a certain community, then they're able to track that if the reports are coming in. In terms of the person making the report, you know, there are many people who, who are nervous or afraid to make a police report. And that's for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of different reasons that people choose not to make a police report. But it can be very empowering still for them to be able to tell their story and feel like they're sharing their information in a helpful way. And they can also access supports and resources. You mentioned just the challenge of coming forward and, and identifying yourself as a victim. It, how, what's the added challenge in a community that might be remote like this or just small? You know, I grew up in a small town and I can only imagine the wide mm-hmm. impacts of knowing so many people who may be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, and it's really what you talked about at the beginning, right? Most everybody in a small town knows each other. And so there's a significant challenge in terms of people not wanting to ruin relationships. Um, not wanting to hurt people that might be be friends or or family of others. There's also a high probability that they might have a relationship with that person, right? Um, which can be really complicated and difficult. So, so yeah. So I think one of the advantages of having a third party reporting system that at a provincial level is that you don't you don't need to talk to anybody in your community to make that report. Um, so it can feel a lot more safe and confidential if that's something you feel you need. I feel uh, just absolutely uh, sick to my stomach reading the details of this and the information that we've received. Uh, we've just got about 20 seconds here, Nicole. News this morning that Harvey Weinstein is going to write a check for about $44 million to make a bunch of his uh, sexual uh, assault allegations go away. How do you feel when you hear news like that? Uh, that's hard. I, I mean, money's never going to make it go away, right? I, I think you you talked about it, though. All of the systems around Harvey Weinstein that allowed for him to operate the way he did for so long. And really, to me, Harvey Weinstein is the perfect example of the societal problem we have around sexual assault and power. So people in power are much more able to get away with sexual assault. They're much more likely to be able to buy their way out of consequence. Um, And to me, this is just another example of that. Nicole Shamartin, Director of Clinic Community Health, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Nicole, thank you very much for this. Thanks. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Cam Poitras, Jeff Fortier. And if you like hot dogs, you will dig this. This weekend, it's the 90th anniversary of Skinner's. So this weekend in Lockport, I'll be at the River Road location down by the Lock and Dam from 1 to 5 p.m. tomorrow to help celebrate. And then on Sunday, KK, Kathy Kennedy, will be at the other location nearby on Highway 44. Great deals to be had this weekend on hot dogs as we celebrate this wonderful, iconic Manitoba institution. If you buy any hot dog, you'll receive another single hot dog at the 1929 price of 10 cents. And uh, so 90 years of serving up the world-famous hot dogs. Canada's oldest hot dog venue, by the way. That's pretty cool. And should also point out they now have gluten-free hamburger and hot dog buns, as Mm. well as the Beyond Meat Smoky, only at the River Road location. So 
We are talking about ketchup on hot dogs. If you're just tuning in, Greg, what is the deal in Chicago? Okay, no ketchup allowed is the deal in Chicago. A Chicago uh, style, uh, style hot dog has, I think it's mustard, okay. onions, yep. tomatoes. Tomatoes? Yeah. Yes. So tomatoes are okay, but ketchup is not. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Yep. Uh, well, there's one other thing. Uh, mustard, onions, tomatoes. Where is this list? Oh, I'll find it. Relish, chopped onions, tomato there it is. oranges, a relish, pickle, sport peppers, and celery salt. There you go. That's There's a celery Chicago salt. Sport, <laughs> sport peppers. I don't know what a sport pepper is. <laughs> That's something like a e-sport athlete, I think. Well, and, and Kraft <laughs> tried to get in on this, and they tried to sway Chicagoans on this, and the, instead of. Ketchup, they put out something called Heinz Chicago Dog Sauce. Okay. I don't think it worked. Was it ketchup? It was ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> well, and listen to this hot dog etiquette from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council in the United States. Is there, is there such a thing? Everyone loves hot dogs, but not everyone follows proper etiquette when they enjoy this sacred all American food. So here are some do's and don'ts to prevent you from making a Frank faux pas. Don't use fancy buns with franks. This is considered gauche. Do stick to sesame seed, poppy seed, or plain buns with hot dogs. Wet condiments like mustard and chili are applied first, followed by chunky condiments like relish, onions, and sauerkraut, followed by shredded cheese, followed by spices like celery salt or pepper. And perhaps the cardinal rule, never ever put ketchup on a hot dog after the age of 18. We all have to grow up sometime. And besides, legend has it that within the city limits of Chicago, you could be arrested for such an offense. I don't think you can be arrested, Why but it's not that? a good Is idea. Is that the crime wave that in Chicago that Trump's always on about? Yes, yes. Chicago-based crimes? They're putting ketchup hot dog on their hot dogs. Well, what's the, big the argument? Like, what is the whole thing? Because ketchup is kids' food? Like, what? Because she just said there, and yeah, I'll have to grow up sometime. Don't have it after 18. Is that I, what I don't saying? know why they're so against it, but it's just the way it is in the city of big shoulders. You do not put ketchup on your hot dog. Uh, do you put ketchup on a hot dog? I hate hot dogs, and I refuse to eat them. I could count on one hand without you using all my fingers, how many okay. hot dogs Turn I've had in 25 years. Microphone. <laughs> it's disgusting. Why? I, and but I look down on people that eat them. They're just gross. Oh, my I God. I look down on people Have that eat them. Have you ever seen them? the... I rewatched... Like you, like uh, you hate, like, 90% of the world, The, the Great Outdoors was on last weekend, remember? Oh, they yeah. said about with hot the dogs. Ra- with the raccoons, <laughs> and they're talking about how the raccoons, uh, they're talking about yeah, themselves, yeah, yeah, how yeah. they won't... Yeah. I don't care what they're made from. I really don't. When forced to eat one, all I put on it is a piece of cheese. I don't eat condiments, periods. Oh, that's true. Portress? Uh, onion, mustard, and sauerkraut. That's perfect for me. Onion, mustard, sauerkraut. Okay. Yeah, and then sometimes ketchup if I want something a little bit sweet on it, but uh, most of the time, no ketchup. Forte? Ketchup, mustard, relish, caramelized onions, cheese. Ooh. Car- caramelized, caramelized onions. onions. Tell, me, tell me the truth here. You're honestly in your You're bachelor pad caramelizing, caramelizing onions. onions. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say I'm caramelizing them. <laughs> hot, dog, preferred... hot dog cart might, might, you know. Okay, so that's your preferred recipe. Yes. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, we had uh, one person text us saying that uh, the way that they cook the, the hot dogs, pan fried in butter or on a barbecue, camp, and o- or a camp open fire is the best. And I've only done this once where I had these, I think they were like bacon and cheese infused hot dogs, mm. and I fried them on a pan. They smelled disgusting, but they tasted amazing having pan fried them. Uh, so I think I'm going to try that again. But the same person says no ketchup. 
Ketchup is for kids. Mm. Just onions and mustard. No, I like ketchup and I like like hot sauce and some banana peppers and okay. some crispy onions. I used to oh, crispy in, onions. Bought in the bag. I'm nice. not making my own crispy Ooh, onions. Crispy like onions. Well, we were talking uh, <laughs> about boiling them and whether you should boil them or not. And uh, Brett has heard me talk about wiener water soup before. And we've had a couple of people text in about wiener water soup. That's what sales reps eat in the third week of a month when things are not going very well. You don't have any money in the bank. And, and that'll just kind of stretch out the diet a little bit. And we had a couple of people <laughs> say that there or they know people that... Kind of like wiener water. Soup. Well, Edward said, "This is making me ill." Well, Edward said, "You guys just grossed me out this morning." People here make wiener water soup, oh. gross. And then we immediately got another text saying, "If you're on a tight budget, boiling hot dogs is the way to go. Save the water and have wiener water soup the next day. Oh. That's good eating." It's no different. I mean, like your your chicken soup is made from like you boil the chicken in the sure. water and you make it's the stock from different. it. Like I get it. It's really not much. It's different. not much different. But the best hot dog in Winnipeg was at the old Winnipeg Arena in the west side balcony. They had these hot dogs and they would grill the Different buns. Different from the east side? Uh, well, I never sat on that oh, side okay. because uh, I wanted to be able to access these hot dogs. <laughs> the The bun was grilled, toasted, yeah. so they would put butter on it and then they would grill it and then the hot dog was grilled to perfection and it was as far as I know, the only place in the arena you could get these I toasted can, hot dogs, and they were so good. And that's how they do them in Montreal. One of the four I've had in the last 25 years was at an Ozzy Osbourne concert in 1995 at the old arena, you and know it, the was one? That. it was not it that. It was not oh, that. It well, was not that. It brother. was the nail in the coffin of my hot dog adventures for many years. Wow. <laughs> and what kind of wieners? McNabb, you're a hot dog connoisseur. Like what kind what of kind of wieners? Yeah. Oh, I don't like in the terms of a name brand. Oh, or no, just oh. like deal with style, I guess. Like a smoky or a, uh, well, or just I a like typical a cheese infused jalapeno. I get that Those it's not real cheese. I understand it's probably just some sort of chaise wes fakeness <laughs> but but I love it like I love it so much you just have to be careful when you cook those because you can really hurt yourself with that hot cheese oh yeah yeah that's right if, it, if, if the wiener explodes or whatever yeah so that and then I always toast the bun like mm-hmm. I like basically my problem with the boiled is because I like things crispy so I would like I like the bun crispy if I have toast I want it almost burnt pizza you know like that kind of thing and so the barbecue uh, hot dog I want it to be like like o- over a fire with blackened edges kind of thing. Yeah, I used to eat the uh, European wieners. I think if they're European wieners, my mom always just called them snappy wieners. Like the, mm-hmm. Are they longer and skinnier? Yeah, they have an yeah. accent. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Made in Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg Old Country Sausage. I don't, oh, I don't know oh, if that's where she got those them. Those are the way to go. But those she would best. steam them. Oh, how? how? It would just put them on on like a pan and put a rack or something in the pan with the water in it. That's pretty smart. Yeah, and it it helped make them even more snappy. Mm. So that's, uh, now I'm really craving that. One of our listeners says we were at a hot dog restaurant across from Wrigley Field. Good on you. They actually evicted people who asked for ketchup (laughs) for their hot dog. They had a big warning sign posted. There you go. Poitras, do you like the? Do you prefer a smoky dog or just a more traditional I, hot I like dog a, wiener? I like a traditional. You know, I, I, it's rare that I have a smoky and be like, "Wow, I, I wish that I would have had." You know, I, I never like. I, I always want like the just the traditional wiener. I was. I'm always disappointed with the smoky. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm suddenly just laughing because of <laughs> all our opinions here. Like. like <laughs> Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. On the subject of hot dogs, as we celebrate the 90th anniversary of Skinner's, we're curious, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? And your choices are, yes, of course, but no way, gross. 
let us know at cjob.com. What was the advice of the National Hot Dog Council in the States? If you're over 18, no ketchup on your hot dog because, quote, you have to grow up sometime. Yeah. Uh, They must be based in Chicago, right? This revelation. Or like there's that anti, like maybe they don't, they want to drop the stocks and ketchup or Heinz or something. There's some sort of like collusion business thing going on. Oh boy, you are an investigative well, reporter slash journalist. Why are they so angry about ketchup? Get yeah. over it. Yeah. I don't either. I don't get it either, but I'm curious. So I think I need to try it without ketchup to see because I've just always done it that way. But maybe I'll like it better without ketchup. I don't know. Yeah, because you listed, uh, and I couldn't remember, but of course you had uh, the the documentation here in Chicago. Hot dogs are typically topped off with yellow mustard, green relish, chopped onions, tomato wedges, a pickle, sport peppers, I'm not sure what that is, and celery salt. They are never to be topped with ketchup. You know, my mother introduced me to celery salt uh, a couple months ago and it is good in a lot of things. So that's like salt and pepper combined, right? Sort of? With, sort no. No? <laughs> I thought that's what you rim a Caesar glass with. Oh, the, yeah, that's one way to do it is the celery salt. Right? I think that's, that Does might it have be a little bit of pepper in it or is it just uh, like uh, rock salt? I'm looking for the exact what I, it comes from celery, so it's got celery in it. And, oh, no wonder you like it. And we put it in coleslaw was her advice for uh, the dressing, and it was really good. All right. Well. Okay. I do like the idea of putting a pickle on a hot dog, though. That I have tried that before. That's really good. So Back to pickles and celery, see? We had one texter, though, saying if you if you load up the hot dog with too much stuff, are you just is that because you don't like hot dogs? And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? We just eat a, a bun and a wiener? And he said, well, no, but I mean, if you're putting stuff on like jalapeno peppers and hot sauce, then you're just drowning it out. My And my, uh, I, I would surmise if somebody puts that much hot stuff on, it's that they like hot stuff and they're just looking for stuff to eat Different the ways hot to do stuff it. with. Yeah. So yeah. it's more about getting something spicy as opposed to eating a hot dog. Just got a whack a text. One uh, says celery salt and tomato soup. I gotta try to get my hands on some celery salt. Can I just go to a grocery store yeah, and buy yeah, it? Just in a jar. Okay. I actually don't know. My mother-in-law also bought it for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like from a time machine, from a day gone by. I don't know. It's or, really or good. Can you and actually well, get it? You can get it. Oh, okay. It's a thing. It's not like it's not like you have to go to like an old small town and ask for like the woman in the back and be like, "Is Grandma Pa here?" Where do you keep the celery salt? Oh, it's next to the witch hazel. Yeah. That's not the scenario. It's pretty normal, I think. The witch hazel. The witch hazel. I also have witch hazel in my fridge now that I think about it. What is witch hazel? It's good for like, it's like an ailment type thing that you put put on wounds. Um, You put on what? Sorry? Wounds when you're wounded. (laughs) Help help, help you heal. I gotta be honest, I don't know why it's in my fridge, but I have a bottle of witch hazel. Okay. Okay. Mackling McGarry McNabb, reminder, the 33rd annual Teddy Bears Picnic is this Sunday at Assiniboine Park from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., presented by the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. I'll be hosting from 9 to 11 on the main stage alongside one of our colleagues, Kirby from Power 97, Power Mornings with Philly Joe and Kirby. Then after we're done, we're going to pop over to the Worry Bear Tent, which is coming back for its third year. The team of psychologists from Clinic Psychology Manitoba, led by our friend Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, 
will be there to focus on childhood anxiety and mental health, to provide tips to kids and families so you can stop by to help you and your teddy bear shrink your worry cloud in the first ever Worry Cloud selfie booth, which will help to talk more casually about mental health and to fight stigma uh, for kids. So I think it's important for kids to learn this when they're young, that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Absolutely. I'll be there uh, probably around 10 o'clock on Sunday morning to hang out and uh, just to to support uh, the incredible work that uh, Dr. Abdul Rahman is doing. Now, just want to quickly mention this. There's a headline at Time. Dot com. The debate over office temperatures just heated up thanks to a new study. And the sort of synopsis here is, is it possible the war over the thermostat of the office is actually one of the causes of the wage gap? Hmm? According to a new study out of the University of Southern California, women perform much better when it's warm than men. Study found that when a room was about 9 degrees warmer, so we're talking Fahrenheit, women got 9% more questions right on a quiz than usual, and men got 3% fewer right. So the researchers say their findings could raise the stakes for the battle of the thermostat. That's interesting. McNabb, do you prefer it warmer or cooler? No, I like it cooler. But I understand that they're saying that like, based on just the science of our bodies, men expend more energy, so they like it cooler, and women have a higher core temperature, so they want it warmer. But I no, like I don't like it when it's warm. So when women have a, a higher core temperature, does that mean that when it's cooler, that it's just more jarring to their skin or That's what have you? Apparently, what they say because that's the classic war that always wages in our newsroom. For some sure, of our, uh, some of the women who work in the newsroom will say, "God, it's cold," and mm-hmm. the guys will say, no, "No, it's it's not cold enough." You know, don't turn it up. Oh, you see, everybody. I don't even know where the thermostat is here, but I've seen you're not allowed to touch it. You're that's not allowed why. to touch it. I'm sure. <laughs> Neither, but am you I. see all sorts of episodes. I think even The Office did it right, where they had. Uh, Angela kept going in to turn it up and Oscar kept turning it down and it was like a whole big battle of who who uh, is going to win the office temperature war. Well, this happens in probably 80 or 90% of all households. Oh, there yeah. is a war over the thermostat. So if you have multiple people trying to figure out the exact right temperature is going to be increasingly difficult. But this research is pretty fascinating. We've talked and discussed uh, women's heart health on this program and have been discussing it over the last few years about how the research on mice back in the day, it was all male mice that they did the research on. And so that skewed everything over the years. And so they're having to redo a lot of the research uh, with regard to heart because they never did any research with regard to female mice. And the results of the temperature studies they do now are, like, it's marginal, but apparently women do better on both math and verbal tasks when the temperature is up, so by, by about 1%. And therefore, if the temperature is warmer, the argument in the office would be your female staff might do better, although then your male staff doesn't do as well. I don't know. Yeah. I know lots of women who have space heaters under their desk at a variety of different really? uh, places. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I see, I always figure, for me, if it's too cold, I can just put on a sweater. But if it's too hot, there is no escape for that. So, I mean, what are you going to do? It's Strip down to your gitch? No. Please. Please don't. No. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. There is an event happening today in Winnipeg. It is the Canadian Cancer Society Relay for Life event. And we have someone on the line here 
who understands, it's a Winnipeg resident who understands that when it comes to cancer, community is bigger than cancer. Her name is Kathy Burgess, and her life changed 25 years ago when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer. So she joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Kathy, good morning to you. Good morning. So the Relay for Life, first of all, what it's happening today. What time does it start? Uh, at quarter to seven, we are getting our survivors ready to do the victory lap. So they walk at seven and we will go to one o'clock in the morning. They talk about, you use the word survivor and, and you're that and then some, Kathy. Can you tell us a bit about your journey and not just with one cancer diagnosis, but, but two and then your husband. Talk about that. Okay. Um, I, and I did some calculations. It was 27 years ago. I was quite young, 37 years old. I um, found out I had a lump in my breast. So the story goes from there that, um, you know, with radiation and everything, I'm, I'm doing fantastic to this day. And then 14 years ago, I found melanoma. And the same thing, you know, did some um, uh, doctors did some great work. And once again, that was, um, I've done good, I've very well with that, right? My husband, uh, five years ago in February, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And that was pretty scary. Um, he did um, many, many rounds of chemo, radiation, um, and, but doing very well, doing very well. We are there tonight as a family walking. So, wow. so he's doing okay. So you're both, are you both in remission now then? Well, I, yes, I'd like to say that. And hopefully it never, ever comes back. So you have some really powerful reasons for being involved in this event. I've been involved in the event. Uh, used to be an event in Minnedosa back mm-hmm. in the day, Loren, and had the honor to emcee that. And you mentioned the fact that the survivors will gather at 7.15. Just describe for our listeners that maybe have not been there before, Kathy, what that uh, first uh, lap around the track is like, uh, because it's very, very special. It is, and it's 7 o'clock that lap will happen. We have survivors of all ages, uh, from little people to people that come out and they're in a wheelchair. They brought their oxygen with us. They are just saying, I'm proud to survive. And um, it's a constant battle. So that first lap is the victory lap by the survivors, and it's so emotional. It's just to look around and see maybe one of your loved ones, maybe one of your friends walking so proudly to say, I've done this. I can beat it. How many people will be in that victory lap? Oh, wow. Uh, I, I mean, there's been hundreds over the years. So, and anybody can come out like last minute at seven, I mean, at 645, they kind of line us up, give us our yellow t-shirt, because there's a whole sea of yellow people in these t-shirts. So, anybody can come like last minute and say, look, I just want to be involved in this victory lap. We, We want them there. Your entire family has, has lived this journey as cancer survivors. What, what's your message to others? Is it helpful to share your story and, and have them know what you've been through and what you've survived? And what do you get from that in doing so, Kathy? 
Well, I hope it helps. You know, one in two Canadians are going to be diagnosed with cancer. So that means a friend of yours, a family member of yours, somebody's going to hear that those horrible words, you have cancer. So I hope that by walking and doing some fundraising, um, I know over the 17 years that we've been involved, my team alone, which is simply the breast, uh, we've done around 125,000 already. That oh, we've, my word. Yeah. And we've kept that stage in Manitoba, that money. So, yes, I hope it helps. I should also acknowledge, I want to give you kudos for the name of your team. You've been, uh, you, you walked for the, the first event, uh, the first time you walked 18 years ago, you've been avid volunteers on the team called Simply the Breast ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, and there's some great, I'm looking at other team names too here. I see one team is called Baby Got Racks. There's another team, yeah. uh, Cirque de Sore Legs. <laughs> So great uh, creative team names and uh, tons of, like just looking at the website here, RelayForLife.ca, a lot of money being raised so far. You're at $81,000. The goal is $140,000 for this event. Um, So you can get more information at RelayForLife.ca. Kathy Burgess, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, congratulations uh, for all the successful fundraising that you've been doing over the years and for continuing to fight against cancer. Well, thank you for having us on. And may I say that it's at Max Bell tonight, the event. So we're indoors. We're not going to be in the rain. Oh, good call. I was wondering about that. <laughs> Kathy, thanks for this. Again, it's 7 o'clock until 1 o'clock, 7 p.m. till 1 a.m. Max Bell Center at the University of Manitoba, uh, 109 Sydney Smith Street. And again, the website, relayforlife.ca. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Greg, I know uh, everyone knows around here when it comes to the ice hockey. I'm the expert. That's right. I think I'll I'll just back off here. Are you sure you want me to take this? No, please, please. I'm going to try and uh, work my way through this. Jeff Gerbison joins us uh, this morning. On uh, May 20th, 1979, the Winnipeg Jets won the final Avco Cup World Trophy in the World Hockey Association. And coming up on June 1st, Jeff, you're going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Winnipeg's last professional hockey championship. It's the last time we had a parade in town for a hockey team. And it was in the Rebel League. And it was, uh, I know we all get excited about the Jets nowadays, but if it wasn't for this team doing so well and being um, being accepted into the merger in the NHL, we wouldn't be talking about Blake Wheeler and Patrick Liney right now. That's a really good point. And the Winnipeg Jets entered that season under kind of an unusual circumstance. Two teams that disliked each other an awful lot. The Winnipeg Jets and Houston Arrows essentially merged. And one of the best players to ever wear a Winnipeg Jets jersey also wore a jersey for the Houston Arrows. He scored 65 goals in 1978-79. I'm talking about Morris Lukowicz. And Luke joins us on the telephone. Good morning, Luke. Good day, Winnipeg. Good to talk to you, man. Uh, my dad and I, we we get on that Luke chant, and uh, if if you weren't from Winnipeg, you, you didn't really quite understand it on the uh, on the TV or on the radio. You might be wondering if we were booing, but we were never booing you. Uh, great to know that you're coming back to Winnipeg. What are you looking forward to uh, most about this get together? Well, you know what? Just to take a step back for a moment, one of my biggest thrills over the last. 40 years was at the Heritage Classic 
where I got introduced to, at uh, Investors Field and the stadium all chanted Luke. I mean, I was almost brought to tears. I just want people to know that. I was, I was very, very touched by that. Well, you're a big part of uh, the hockey history in this city, and uh, the championship team was a special one. So uh, just just tell us uh, how special it was. Well, it was uh, it was a year that had lots of struggle and uh, lots of challenges to work through. And it was definitely, it was two teams that were put together that did not like each other. Uh, the Jets actually in 76 beat us out of playoffs. Um, in Houston, uh, it was uh, uh, played with Gordy Howe that year, and uh, uh, Peter Sullivan actually really, really played amazing in that series and scored a number of huge goals that hurt us. I mean, so did Hedberg and Nielsen and Hall, and and yet Peter just seemed to have picked the time to beat us. So it was a it was a challenging year. It ended up costing a really good man his coaching job and Larry Hillman, and yet it was uh, perhaps required to have a drill sergeant come in like Tom McVie and get everybody straightened up and performing better. And, and really it was, uh, it was really, we got hot at the right time. How did you get over that tension? We've heard that before. We, you know, in terms of just the challenge of kind of merging these different talents in the same room and making everyone like each other by the end, how did that work? Well, it came with those challenges because like from the start, the, the Houston guys would mostly hang out with each other and, uh, like after a game and I can still uh, remember one time after one game was about a month into the season and Lyle Moffat said hey after this game we're all going out for supper together the players and the wives and uh, we've got to get to know each other and get to like each other and uh, he was he was he was a player that kind of stood up and said we've got to get this done and I, I can still remember went to a uh, pizza restaurant i think it was something something called boston pizza on portage and it was really the start of everybody getting together and and uh and and getting getting rid of the clicks morris uh, we don't have nearly enough time with you here and i apologize for that but i want to ask you real quick so many players uh you'll hear potentially grumbling about oh we're going to winnipeg i got traded to winnipeg eddie olchuk has the most famous story of his wife giving birth and and his wife looking at we're going to winnipeg aren't we yeah we're going to winnipeg and then in retrospect it ends up being some of their favorite times uh in their lives let alone in their hockey lives Yes, I. Winnipeg was very, very special for me, and uh, what an incredible time too! Because we we ended up uh, with success in the WHA, and then merged into the NHL. Like hockey, NHL had never been to Winnipeg, and so it was just truly an exciting time. And I mean, we went through some really rough years, which was too bad. And then guys came along like Howard Chuck and. Paul McLean, Randy Carlisle, and then the Jets came very, very close. Uh, had some very good hockey teams after that. In case you are just tuning in, Greg, how about you recap what we're talking about here? Yeah, we're talking about the 1978-79 Avco Cup champion Winnipeg Jets. Of course, they captured the seventh and final Avco Cup World Trophy. The Jets won three 
of the seven Avco Cups that were awarded. They played in the final five times. Jeff Kerbison is as passionate about this part of Winnipeg hockey history as anyone. And uh, for the second year in a row, you're getting the team that won this trophy together 40 years after they did so. Well, we had a, su- a successful one last year with the 78 team and and then some of the guys from the 79 team said, well, when are you having us in? And so we got some good sponsors who have come on board and, and supported it. And it all goes back to Quebec celebrating their team a couple of years ago, their 77 team. And these teams, there's been, a, you know, with the Jets being gone for 15 years and then the new team coming here, the alumni has been a little bit, um, it's been a confusing relationship, I guess, for some people. But I thought, here's a chance. If Quebec did it, we can do it. We had better teams than those guys did, I think. And so here's a chance to celebrate uh, some important teams and some groundbreaking teams. And 40 is a nice round number. 50, I don't know if everyone will get on the plane, right? Or uh, if For sure. If it'll be an old folks' home reunion. Uh, so this, I figured this was the time. We'll tell you how you can get tickets for this event. It comes up next Saturday here in the city of Winnipeg. And one of the players that will be there is Morris Lukowicz. He scored 132 goals in the World Hockey Association and added an an additional 199 goals in his NHL career. And, And Morris, so many people, my dad was right at the top of that list when the Jets came knocking for him to buy NHL season tickets because he said, you know, I've been watching the best hockey in the world, some of the best players in the world for the last five, six years, and now you want me to buy tickets for the NHL. Help us appreciate just how good the hockey was in the World Hockey Association. Well, had one of the best players with Bobby Hull. He was so exciting to watch. And then also what it was happening at that time, there was a transition from linear hockey up and down to where players would change lanes, would circle back, would attack with speed. And it ended up that uh, Winnipeg ended up with one of the best there with, uh, uh, with uh, Anders Hedberg. And uh, then an incredible centerman was Alton Nielsen. So, uh, like when the Swedes came over, they brought such talent with Schoberg on defense. Like he is such an amazing, beautiful skater. So it was uh, it was a very exciting time. Hockey was going through a transition, and uh, there was, and also it was going through a thuggery. I mean, let's face it, the WHA was a tough hockey league. Uh, how Hedberg and Nielsen actually survived their time here. There was, uh, like, it was just, it was, it was so tough and dirty. Yeah, and uh, Bobby Hall, in fact, uh, sat out at least one game in protest over the way the game was played at different times. And you had a unique opportunity. You mentioned in our last segment, you played with Gordy Howe in Houston and, and got to play a little bit with, with Bobby Hall here with the Jets. But you played with uh, some pretty good players you brought over uh, when you came from Houston. I'm thinking of Scott Campbell on defense and, of course, Rich Preston and Terry Ruskowski, who went on to very solid NHL careers all three of you guys uh, did some damage in the NHL tell us about those uh, uh, Ruskowski and Preston in particular well with Terry Ruskowski I think he's perhaps uh, the most courageous player I ever played with uh, his nickname was Jackhammer and uh, oh my gosh like was he ever a scrapper and uh, like he one time stepped 
in between uh dave Semenko was just going to lay a licking on me and he stepped in between and basically saved my life and uh and then did a number on dave so uh for a guy who was about five foot nine or ten he was just incredibly tough and courageous and uh, uh an amazing passer that year in winnipeg uh, i got to play on the line quite often with him and rich preston and rich was one of the best corner guys that I've ever played with and very extremely strong. And then uh, we also Kent Nielsen would get mixed into that line once in a while. And Kent at the time was the, well, he was the most talented player in the world with Gretzky uh, being probably the only guy that was more talented. Wow. That, that's uh, some incredible praise for the, for the magic man, uh, Kent Nielsen, uh, Morris Lukowicz. Thanks for this time. Thanks for the memories and thanks for everything you did for, for hockey in Winnipeg in the world hockey association and in the NHL. Uh, you're uh, a hero and a big part of uh, memories for, for thousands of us here in Winnipeg. We look forward to seeing you in uh, just over a week. Well, I'd like to say thanks to Jeff Kerbison for getting this organized and for the sponsors that have come on and made it possible for us to get to Winnipeg like this. Like, uh, I've chatted with some players, Michael Modio, Steve West, guys that I've I've not spoken with and or really seen in, you know, near probably close to 40 years. So it's going to be a very exciting time for us. How can uh, fans get tickets, Jeff, real quick before we go? We've got a website called Event. It's a ticket selling website called Eventbrite, uh, B R I T E. You can search for Winnipeg Jets uh, seventy nine reunion there. You can search for it on Facebook, and if you find me on Twitter uh, at, at Jeff Kerberson, uh, I can send you information. On Wednesday, we told you about a special event happening on Sunday, and it had to do that it was set up, arranged for us, the interview by Kevin Bergen, host of The Main Ingredient here on CJOB. I caught up to Kevin about a half, oh, about an hour ago now, and Kevin, what's happening on Sunday? Yeah, Sunday afternoon is the Breathe Easy event uh, that's coming up for uh, for Jolene Neufeld, um, which is, it was, uh, the event itself I find really, uh, really incredible and giving, and only the kind of thing that could happen in, in Winnipeg, you know what I mean? Like Greg, me and you have spent a lot of time in our youth trying to, you know, we always wanted to move to the bigger city and go to Vancouver and all sorts of cities, but uh, ultimately realized that Winnipeg is the place to be. Um, it's, it's large enough that you always get to meet new people, but it's small enough that you kind of know everybody. And that's really how this event is taking place. Yeah. We spoke to Dustin uh, Peltier and uh, along with Rachel Isaac from Loaf and Honey, they've sort of spearheaded this event in support of Jolene. And you had Dustin and Rachel on your show, the main ingredient, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. So Dustin is a, he's an awesome guy. Usually when he calls me, it's about, uh, you know, eating eating great food and, uh, you know, having wine, drinking beer, and having a good time. So I always loved talking to him. Had a great relationship uh, since the show started. And, and you know, the, the main ingredient is, is about good times. It's about enjoying Winnipeg food and restaurants. So when he called me, I'm, I was thinking that's what it was about. Um, and, of course, he's always about having a good time, but it was on a serious note to help Jolene out with her uh, living expenses for her double lung and liver transplant. And so... You actually got to speak to Jolene on the phone during your show. What was that like? And and you were just telling me something before I hit record, and I said, "Stop, stop, stop!" I want you to share that with our listeners this morning. Yeah. So these guys come into the studio, 
and you know we're going to record an interview and they're like hey you know what? We, we she's she's actually waiting for us to call her she's going to come on the radio with us and you know as they were explaining the story to me um i i, I literally am I'm, I'm, I'm about to dial the number and i'm like stop stop and they're like you know what's the problem i'm like i need a box of kleenex because the minute she starts to tell her story I'm, I'm literally gonna i don't even know if i can kind of hold it together but when we called her 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 spirit and her energy like she's going through a rough time she's she's in tough right like anything any health issue that you think you've had is is eclipsed by what what this woman is going through so she's telling her story she's very upbeat um and i know uh, there's a lot of things when it comes to social media that are very negative but this is one of the most positive social media things that I've, I've, I've ever experienced. Like these guys don't even know her, you know, they met her through social media. She, she follows them on the, on the, on social media and she follows me on social media. When they told me her, her, uh, her username for Instagram, I did a search and there she is following me and has all these food things that she's prepared over the two years that she's been at home. So we had a conversation, you know, she's, she's very upbeat, you know, and then we get into a serious tone and, yeah, luckily I didn't need the Kleenex. I literally thought I was going to, uh, I was gonna break down and cry during this interview. But she, uh, her, her, her energy and uh, her positive attitude are, are, uh, it's, it's commendable. So this fundraiser is taking place on Sunday. Starts at five o'clock. It's happening at the Manitoba Institute of Trades and Technology. That's uh, off of Skirfield Boulevard, and it's going to be some of the finest uh, curators of food in our community coming together for a great cause. For sure, they have a rock star lineup of chefs. And one thing I have to say about the, the culinary community in Winnipeg, like these guys, like number one is that they have a they have a great great spirit to, to help people. They, they are they're always willing to help people in need. They always stick together. They don't make a ton of money, but they really go out of their way to, to try to make, you know, people's lives easier, enjoy their food and just kind of have a good time. So yeah, I don't, I don't even know if you could name a chef in the city that isn't participating in this, but yeah, it's going to be a really good time. They have really good food and um, hopefully, hopefully, sorry, that was my car beeping. Um, hopefully that was uh Hopefully they can raise a ton of money for her because she needs it. You can go to Eventbrite and search Breathe Easy and Evening in support of Jolene Newfelt. And it's uh, not Newfelt in the traditional sense. There's a T at the end. So E-N-E-U-F-E-L-D-T. And uh, as we learned on the show earlier this week, over the weekend, Jolene had her double lung transplant in Toronto. And uh, she's uh, fighting a great fight. just want to say one more thing, which is you guys brought up in the show that... um um, Evan and Phil from the Lux Barbecue Company are donating a, a big green egg. And if you're into barbecuing, you know that is not a cheap barbecue. That is like a two thousand dollar barbecue. And Danny from Danny's Whole Hog is is uh, he's gonna he's gonna donate uh, like a year's worth of his sauces, and we're gonna raffle that off soon to raise money for her also. So you got to watch out for that. All right, Kevin, when's the show on uh, this weekend? Twice, right? You're on the OB. Yes, twice. It's on at 5 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays. Kevin Bergen hosted the main ingredient here on 680 CJOB. If you want more information on that event, email McGarry at CJOB.com, Mackling at CJOB.com, or McNabb at CJOB.com. Question of the day at CJOB.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. As we celebrate the 90th anniversary of Skinner's, we're curious. Do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? Yes, of course, or no way, 
Gross. Those are your options. <laughs> 59% say yes, of course. 41% say no way. Gross. Ooh, that's you know, higher than I thought. I'm going to try this this weekend. Yeah. Without no ketchup. ketchup. Yeah, same here. But I don't like mustard. I need something. It'd be too... How do you not like mustard? You I like, like celery mustard. and you don't like mustard? You like mustard and you don't like celery? Well, mustard <laughs> at least has a flavor. It has a taste. Well, hey, let's ask our guest here. Her name is Jillian Welsh. She is going to be one of the comedians performing at The Cure for the Common Comedy. Before we get into anything Second City related, Jillian Welsh, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? Listen, I just got to say, I feel like ketchup is part of my Canadian identity. We got ketchup chips up here, so uh, I'm going in ketchup and ketchup forever. Right on. Hey, maybe smash up some ketchup chips and put them on the hot dog. (laughs) Now we've got something. People don't put enough chips and things. Very gourmet, she says. Very gourmet. (laughs) Yeah. So the cure for the common comedy happening at Burton Cummings Theatre tomorrow night. And they ask the event... Details. Are you sick and tired of jokes that make you feel sick and tired? So, Jillian Welsh, what exactly is a joke that makes you feel sick and tired? Um, well, you know, it's the same old, I guess it's like the same old comedy that you're used to hearing. Uh, this show, we're super excited to bring it to the Burton Cummings Theater. Uh, we, I suggested we all wear big mustaches and nobody else was on board. Um, <laughs> but uh, this particular show has a lot of improv in it. So improv comedy is, uh, have you ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty much like that. So we're making it all up on the spot. So a lot of the jokes that we'll be telling have never been told before because we ourselves don't even know them before we get there. Well, what are the jokes that you are like you, you when you say the sick and tired phrase, like the kind of jokes or material uh, you don't like to hear? Uh, well, I think the poster uh, serves up a rubber chicken. Uh, so you, you know, you got the chicken crosses the street. That's a that's a pretty uh, pretty well done joke, I guess. <laughs> and and are are you tired of the? Uh, of the uh, what's up with this? What's up with that? And the and the and the and the airplane jokes and the travel stories is uh, like, like what would you prefer to be hearing about? Uh, ooh, well, uh, I'd say ketchup related content for sure. Hot dogs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, all sorts of things that I guess you don't normally talk about. We'll go to the audience and we'll get suggestions, but like suggestions of uh, professions that you don't normally think about, like Knight and Squire. It's really cool to see what a Knight and Squire would have to talk about. What is a Knight and Squire? You mean like a uh, medieval times type Knight and Squire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I put it all <laughs> as one word, like a Knight and Squire, like it was as if there was a like a thing. like a Nightingale. Like I'd never heard of before. I was like, ooh, what is uh, a Knight and Squire? <laughs> Yeah, it's just an example of like uh, we we do a lot of improving um, together. So uh, basically, that that comes up from like scene work. So. Now, as far as. In terms of improv, Jillian, and it's obviously great for comedy, and I see that you're part of the improv troupe, the Pepperoni Pizza Cats, which is a wonderful yeah. name. But improv, <laughs> like for if people want to learn improv, that's something that can, I, th- I would imagine, help you beyond just per, uh, a performance aspect, right? Like I would imagine it probably makes you super quick on your feet. Uh, yes, it does. And actually, uh, there's a lot of Second City here in Toronto has a lot of great classes, uh, specifically for improv for anxiety, which is really fantastic. Uh, and also, if you work a lot in business, too, it's great if you have to talk to a bunch of people because it's not easy to talk to people for a lot of people out there. And due to that, were I once upon a time or were you always <laughs> outgoing? Were you, were you get, um, constantly getting kicked out of class? I, I need to know. <laughs> uh, I was 
so shy. I, uh, I actually fell into comedy because I was serving tables in a restaurant and uh, these guys were super depressed uh, and I was making jokes about their coasters and they asked me to join their sketch comedy troupe. Um, so I happened into comedy by accident. And when I first got there into like the comedy institutions, I was so afraid I would just hug the walls. I couldn't talk to anybody. So through improv classes, I kind of came out of my shell. And are you, yeah. do you still feel, cause you know, even if you get comfortable with it, you're really still putting yourself out there every night to, to, to perform or to, you know, always be on and in the improv role. Like, do you ever still get that sweaty feeling like, oh gosh, I really don't know where to take this next. Oh, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> so am I. That's just a regular thing around here, though. Well, we improv We improv pretty much, uh, I would say, half to two-thirds of our show every morning. The comedy is sadly lacking, unfortunately. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you teach? How do you learn to be funny? Uh, well, that's the thing. You don't concentrate on being funny. Actually, I think the truth is pretty funny uh, on its own. Like that hot dog stuff, they're funny off the top there. Had me chuckling for sure. Um, you don't. You I probably think, don't use puns like I do all the time, or Google puns like I do. Like, you Google your puns? Oh yeah, doggone it, I do. <laughs> That's a great commitment. See, she, you, I've never she, googled a pun before, but you, I'll start. You just managed to tie hot dogs into the puns by connecting. <laughs> That's right. right. Doggone Dog it. Doggone it. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Hey, let's ask you, because Greg's shaking yeah. his head right now, because I just explained the joke, and Greg hates it when a joke is explained, says it's not funny. So, But but Loren thinks it is funny when you explain yeah. the joke, uh, because it ends up being this sort of prolonged, annoying <laughs> gag. Where do you uh, fall on that? Uh, ooh, kind of in both camps. I mean, if you have to explain a joke because people don't understand it, the chances are it's not funny. <laughs> um, I know. Also, just end there, Jillian. Just going. you win. Just yeah. end there. You win, hands down. But there, I, I sensed a butt coming. Well, sometimes having to force people to sit through an elaborate explanation of a joke that isn't funny in itself becomes funny. Agreed. There. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. But that still doesn't make the original joke funny. It's the explanation of the non-funny joke that becomes funny. So uh, uh, I think I'm still cr- correct technically. But then that makes that. Then that makes the setup. The, the uh, that makes the initial joke the setup instead of the punchline. Um, and also, oh, you flip the script. The old good old flipping of the script. I'm going to quote Jillian every time I do this. Now, remember when Jillian said, mm-hmm. "Greg, that it was funny when I did this." So Harvest there. this audio, yeah. save it, sleep with it under your pillow, McNabb, because that's about a, 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 the biggest endorsement you're going to get. Hey, what's your ultimate goal here, Jillian? My ultimate goal? Yeah, like like, I'm going to sound like your dad. I'm going to sound like your dad oh. right now because I'm probably older than your dad. What do you want to do with your life, Jillian? When when you get older, what's your ultimate goal? <laughs> Well, holy heavens to Betsy, that's a big question for 1030 in the morning. <laughs> Don't get a lot of heavens to uh, Betsy anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm from a small town for sure. Um, uh, my big goal, I would say if I could just uh, continue. I love my job so much. It's uh, I feel really lucky that I get to wake up every day and do what I absolutely love to do. And if I could maintain that for my whole life, wake up every day and love what I get to do, then I'd say I've made it. Jillian Welsh is going to be one of the performers at the Burton Cummings Theatre tomorrow night. The Cure for the Common Comedy with The Second City, Toronto's legendary sketch and improv comedy theatre. And this is happening at 8 o'clock tomorrow. You can find tickets at burtoncummingstheatre.ca. Before we let you go, uh, how long is the show? Uh, It runs about 90 minutes. That's including an intermission where you can get some sweet swag or uh, I'm pretty sure a beer too.
90 minutes of improv minus the the intermission that that's a long time to go in with nothing well, really uh, prepared <laughs> well we have some sketches in there too we have some written stuff as well but yeah there's a lot of improv now the improv does it come sort of like do you have sort of a set list of topics ahead of time or does the improv come just as you go uh not topics we have a few games that we'll play so some structure to it um I'm trying to think if I can give you an example of something. We'll like write different sentences down on a piece of paper, similar to whose line is it anyway, how they play different games. And then we'll go to the audience uh, and get a lot of suggestions from them. So a lot of what we make up is based on what they say. Do you have a, a go-to if you're sort of stuck? I've noticed Colin Mockery on Whose Line Is It Anyway. He'll do yeah. the really, really, really thing. He'll string as many reallys <laughs> as he can together that is uh, humanly possible while he thinks of what where he's going. Do you have a go-to like that? Uh, I've been told I have a go-to character that uh, everyone can tell I don't. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> Uh, and it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, or from a small town kind of guy that uh, sounds like from where I'm from. So <laughs> where are you from? Uh, I'm from Saugeen. Where Saugeen is, it's, uh, it's in Ontario, Southwestern Ontario, just off of Lake Huron in the North. Saugeen? Yeah. How do you spell that? S-A-U-G-E-E-N. Saugeen. Okay. Yeah. All right, like yeah. soggy wieners, but sogging. It all comes back to hot dogs today for me. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Well, Jillian, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It sounds like it's going to be a super fun event, so we appreciate you taking some time this morning to tee it up for us. Have a good weekend and enjoy the show tomorrow. We'll catch up with thank you, you later. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.